Hey folks, Josh here. Welcome back to Punching Sideways. Thank you to everyone who's joined the show recently. It's awesome to have you aboard. Today is part one of a conversation with Aubrey Wodonga-based comedian and off-the-rails comedy founder, Jade Fitzgerald. Jade was awesome fun to chat to. She had a dark comedy vibe that I wasn't expecting that spoke directly to what I find funniest in people, so that was awesome. You'll get a feel for that throughout the podcast. The reason that I've chopped this episode into two parts, and I won't, and I'll try not to babble on too much, but on Sunday, June 2nd, Jade and her company, Off the Rails Comedy, are actually producing Aubrey Wodonga's newest and only dedicated open mic event. So it's at 4 till 6 pm at Splendid Books, which is a beautiful bookshop. But if you have been in, you'll know it's not very big. So there is limited pre-sale tickets. I know they were selling very quickly. I'll include a link to the Off The Rails Facebook page and also to the ticketing site for June 2nd in the show notes below, above, sideways or a swipe away from wherever you're listening to this. If the June 2nd event is sold out, then there'll be future events as I'm hoping and the comedy scene locally is hoping this will become a regular event, a place for people to get up for the first time, which if you come in the future, you may actually be seeing me do my first stand-up sets. I've got a bunch of jokes just sitting there and I've just got to get myself up on a stage to see if they're actually funny at all. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm actually attending the June 2nd event. So if you're listening to this and you're going, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Also, the reason I'm running out of time today and I had to chop the episode in half wasn't just to get something out to forward promote this fantastic event for Jade. It's also that today is the Alan McCow Memorial Game for the Bandits. It's the biggest game on the Aubrey Wodonga Bandits calendar. It means a lot to everyone who's been involved with the club at any level. And for those who don't know, I was actually a board member for several years It's not something where you come home and you can do anything else except think about that stadium, that man, and the impact that he had on the community. So that's why there'll be another part of this interview with Jade. So thank you. I'll see you tomorrow if you're at the Off the Rails comedy event at 15 AMP Lane, Splendid Books. I'll see you tonight if you happen to listen to this and you go into the McCowan game, go Bandits, and yeah, I might see you in the future and looking back at me trying to do stand-up and probably not laughing. So thanks for that. Righto. Hey, everyone. I'm here with local comedian Jade Fitzgerald. How are you going, Jade? Good. How are you, Josh? I'm very well. So comedian Aubrey Wodonga, not... How long have I been here for? Oh. 15 or 16 years and I was in bands the whole time and organising shows. It's not the most common thing, comedy full stop around here. Yeah. And I guess the next level beyond that is that we've hardly ever been anyone that would actually self-designate as a comedian or someone who puts on comedy shows, which you're also doing. How did you come to do that? Um. And do you call yourself a comedian at this point? Yeah, I yeah. do. Because I know there is some controversy around that subject, people calling themselves comedians and not calling themselves and where you need to be at, etc. Yeah. Oh, look, we could go down the rabbit hole with that and, <laughs> and what 
you know, is emerging, established and, and all yeah, that. Aspiring. Professional. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've been performing, jeez. If we go by time, I started in 2016, but I'd only done one show. Okay. That yeah. year. Like, yeah, you can't sort of put it all together and say, yeah, I've been performing for four years. I haven't. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a comedian and producer. And back to your original question as to how that happens, um, short of it, I'm bored. Yeah. I've, I've lived here forever. Very okay. bored. Yeah, righto. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Mm-hmm. So we normally start off the show kind of reverse chronologically. Okay. It's the only question I ask everybody and it's the first one. Is there anything that has you excited right now? It could be anything, comedy, otherwise. Is there oh. anything you're most excited about right at the moment? The Division 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Xbox, Division 2. Um, yeah, everything else is just pales in comparison. Right, now, well, that's, a, that's short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Just get with the comedy stuff. I've got a lot of notes and I tried to put them in some sense of an order, but correct yep. me if I'm wrong, we'll probably just go back to how you got into it. So when you say you're bored, I've also heard you say that there's an academic part of your life and then there was this other part that you never really found an outlet for. How did comedy become the outlet? Did you have a feeling that you were funny or did you just have an internal sense that uh, yeah. maybe stand-up <laughs> is appealing? Okay, there's a couple of reasons how it came about. First one was that, um, I reached a point living in Albury Wodonga that I was like, I either put up or shut up. So run for council. I think it might have been the 2016 council elections in uh, Wodonga. Or it was like, and, and make change or get up and perform stand up comedy and take the piss out of it. Okay. And I looked into um, obviously public service first, and that really didn't appeal to me in the end. Yeah. And that was the year that was like, uh, I think there was about 22 candidates. Up for right. election on the council. Uh, yeah, no, it was a mess. So obviously living in Wodonga wasn't great. It, it's not great in a general. Oh, most probably shouldn't say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Boo, Wodonga. No, look, it's not so bad. But, yeah, eventually, basically, no public life for me and I decided to get up on stage and just say what I thought. Yep. Um, that was one half of it. The other half of it, yes, I'm an academic. I've done that for so long. The main thing there is sort of... I, I've always been creative, um, so I painted and all that a lot when I was younger. Fine arts was my thing. I got into Monash before that, out of school. So um, with having children, the more bang for my creative buck is actually standing up and telling jokes. I don't have time to do oil on canvas anymore. I don't have time. I literally don't have time to watch paint dry. Yeah. That's where my life's at. Okay. Yeah. So I guess two things there. One, you're obviously getting at the fact that you feel that creatively – there's a shorter gap between the creative idea and when you can actually present it in a finished form or a remotely finished form in comedy than, say, there would be in painting or in musical. Oh, yeah, absolutely, for me, yeah. yeah. And that was obviously was appealing. The yeah. other thing was, and it's probably mirrors my background a little bit, that my academic background was in economics and finance and the more hardcore end of that, yet I've always been a musician and someone that would rather crack a joke than talk about a spreadsheet. Yeah. And I know that you were doing an MBA. Yeah. So was that was that a, out of necessity in case you wanted to or still pursue those more serious aspects of your life? Because um, that's a pretty cut and dry or dry degree. Yeah. See, I don't find it dry. That's a, that's a really interesting thing. I think that's it's a bit subjective in a way. My first undergrad was in psychology. Yeah. So me going into MBA – 
really was because I didn't want to help people. Um, yeah, you, I, mean, I, I, you I, mean I, psychologically help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to be a clinical psych. I had no interest in it. Um, I was more interested in organisational psychology and the closest thing that I could sort of marry to it that was a general to remain in the regions was an MBA or some postgrad in business and MBA came up because I got a scholarship for it and I would have been stupid not to take it. Yeah, when I say dry, that's not my... I was maybe I should have. That was more what I think people would look at it as being dry when you also say that you're doing stand up comedy. Yeah, they seem like they're they're polar opposites, different ends of a pendulum. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was just wondering, do you, is that something that is inherent in your personality that there's a serious side and also the comedic side, and was there always a a division um, between those two things? Or? No, I don't think there's a division. I think there's a blur with both of them. Yeah, because even in the serious side. Uh, I can recall a couple of couple of presentations in the MBA um, where I have used comedy to tear down banking in Australia and things like that. Like yeah. I, it crosses over both sides for me. Yeah, it's not really it's not like two personalities and and you know channeling it that way. Yeah, I'm pretty consistent. Yeah, I think having done business and some post grad business and worked in a corporate role at different points. Most of the educational side of business is either outdated or just straight up wrong. But there is an element of it that it is actually the fun part. It's the creative solutions part. And it's, I guess, basically problem solving, which is what that is what you learn more about the further you go into a business degree. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's and- about the parts of business that are genuinely actually, well, they're real and they're competitive yeah. advantages. Yeah. And none, none of it's in straight up basic management or basic accounting or anything like that. I I think, yeah, like that. The cool thing is I suppose when you do your undergrad and I didn't do mine in business, but you you see these subjects stand on their own and they feel very siloed. It's like, well, how does this even fit into everything else? And when you get to the postgrad level, yeah, particularly where I'm at in it, like my last subject's an experiential learning project. So I'm applying 11 previous subjects that I've had and I'm mashing it all together. Yeah to um, create an outcome for an organisation. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's just a bit bit scary for the business student to think that you potentially might have to fight your way through two to three years of boredom to get to the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that was the same with psych. (laughs) Yeah, well, I did did my electives in psych and I quite enjoyed them, but if I did too much more, I was going to actually have to start doing time. Ah. And I was only doing it as an academic exercise, so. Yeah. Yeah. But there's two sides of the business courses too, particularly here in this area. There was, well, there was me and a few other people that loved economics and then there was everybody else that loved accounting. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not sure if it's still so divided in the business world, but the yeah. economics people were one type of thinking and then there was all the accountants. That were- yeah, that exists in psychology. It's the clinicals versus the neuros. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then you get like one or two researchers, which is what I skewed towards yep. right at the start. I always wanted to do research. Yeah, I have a niece that's followed that path. So she was very much into neuroscience and yeah. research. So, righto. So we've gone on a, our first tangent of probably yeah. many. So let's go back to comedy. So yep. you, was that your first experience? Was it in academia that you learned that humor could get a point across better or was it was, where, did you have comedy heroes where you no, thought? No, I never had comedy heroes. I always liked funny things. Actually, I think if I drill down into it, my grandfather would have been a really big um, influence on that. When I was a little kid, 
He introduced me, and he shouldn't have done this, but he introduced me to my first episode of South Park. <laughs> it was um, number four, the duck and cover with yeah. the lava. Yeah, I remember that. And I was I was little. I think I was like maybe eight or nine. Yeah, my pa had a great sense of humour. And, like, there's a lot of humour in my family as well. There's a couple of people that aren't funny at all. But, yeah, like, my mum's funny as well. And so I think inherently that sort of came down the line. But with academia, I struggle, because I suppose because I'm so nihilistic and cyn- cynical in a way, but I struggle to see what the fuss about everything is, like why people take some stuff so seriously. Yeah, that, and that's where it comes from. It's just my point of view on it. It's like why invest yourself that much? Yeah. You know? Well, you would have found certain people in the those business courses that take their jobs like they're changing the universe. I would have, yeah. You would have come across those types. Oh, yeah. there's heaps of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's probably – they're the types of people I don't mix all that well with either when I'm in the business sense. Yeah. Of, you, yeah. Their little job in some little company is the end of the universe. So Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about your path into getting on stage maybe versus the traditional comedy path of like yep. open mics, et cetera, which we'll probably come back to later because you're offering those kinds of opportunities to other people yeah. now. So from what I could work out, your first actual public set – was raw comedy? Is that correct? Yeah, that was your very first. My episode, very first one, and you did it stupidly. All improv. Was to, yep to jump in to a national comedy competition, and I'll never forget this. The guy who was organising it, I've actually forgotten his name. I can picture him though. He asked us. We're all at the Howling, uh, the Howler in Brunswick, and he goes, "Who's been in raw comedy before?" And half the audience put their hand up. Well, not the audience. Half the participants put their hands up and then he's like who's done an open mic before everyone except me puts their hand up and the moment I saw that I'm like right fuck it plans out the window I'm going to the bar and that's basically how I approached it I had three beers got up on stage told some jokes and I did not bomb which was great yeah that was my first experience at stand-up comedy was it I mean liquor aside do you think it was obvious to people that it was your first time, was that why you think you didn't bomb, that there was a bit of forgiveness there, or do you think you genuinely just hit it out of the park? Um, They didn't know it was my first time. I didn't hit it out of the park, but I told some jokes where there were definitely laughs. Like I know there's a recording of it, and one of the jokes that I said at that set, um, not that it was a set, it was improv, let's be honest, one of those jokes has stayed with me all the way through. You obviously didn't go there with that intention though. You Did you have some material? Yeah, there? I had some material planned, but then just the scale of it, just I freaked out yeah. and like, oh, my God, all these people know what they're doing. They've yeah. done it. Most have done it before. Yeah. They're going to fit about 100 people in here to watch us. Fuck, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So it's probably better to bomb or die doing it your own way than trying to compete on pre-written material with people yeah. that maybe have done it 100 times already yeah. and know that it works. Yeah. So you, yeah. But it was clear that there were some people that have done it a hundred times and it still didn't work. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I'm grateful for those people. Yeah, there's always going to be those people, I think. Yes. Yeah. So I was actually going to ask if you thought that that first gig, whether you did really well or whether you bombed, and obviously not the first time, but as someone that hopefully at some point in the near future is going to get up for the first time, is there was there any bombing through the first part of your comedy career, do you think? 
Because how long was it after that that you got back up? Was there? Oh, it, it was just an access issue. I lived up here. Yeah, um, that's what. Couldn't make it yeah. down. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really a bombing, but it was not an appropriate audience. So <laughs> this is <laughs> terrible. Uh, so there was an open mic night held out in Beach West. And I'd heard about it, went along, and really it was just a musos thing, folk thing, all that. Yeah. Hey, I do comedy, basically is how this happened. And I got up and like so much of comedy and how it works comes down to the venue, the audience, things like that. Like it's it's an interaction within itself. It's not just the artist performing to the audience. It's, it's influenced by so many other factors, right? Yeah. So things that comedians will tell you they hate about a space to perform in, when it's fully lit – as in like you can see every single person's face, there is no music. Like it had everything going wrong for it in the comedy sense, but I still persisted anyway. Uh, Did my set that normally got quite a few laugh breaks in it. Um, I think three jokes landed. Okay. Out of how many do you reckon you had? Oh, there was about eight. I called it after three. Yeah. Okay. So you just went, I can't count. Yeah, no, I just wrapped it up. I'm like, cool, thanks for having yeah, me. You know, yeah. And like, yeah, it was the shittest gig I've ever done in my life. So I never went back out there. And do you think that that's com- – like, obviously, when we're saying open mic, the most of the audience that are listening to this are either hyper-local, Wagga, Aubrey, Wangaratta, yeah. or for some reason people in America. Right. But I've done this for 10 years, so maybe they're just people who know me. They right. check one out every once in a while. Yeah. When we say open mic, we're talking – I'm maybe referring to a comedy open mic, but most people that are listening to this would think... Would know that they're music open mics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. music open mics, and yeah. there's regularly those on around town here. Yeah, there's... Particularly Beachworth, a big folk town. Yeah, yeah. So did you know to begin with that it was... Because that, that sounds like... An, that doesn't even sound like a music-friendly situation. Like the first the first thing you need to do is turn the lights down so people uh, feel free enough to enjoy themselves. Yeah, so the way this place is set out, you've got a little... You've got a rage... Race stage and then uh, just a gallery area, then a barrier and then the restaurant and it's completely open so you can see straight into the restaurant. You can only fit maybe 20 people down the front in the gallery. Okay. Shitty setup. I I wouldn't even bother doing an open mic there to be perfectly honest. Like I I don't even know if they run one there anymore. But how I got onto it, just trying to think. Someone told me to come out there and and try it. I, I did once, you know, never again type thing. And I'm assuming now you're much more discerning with what sort of open mic is this. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to waste my time on an open mic where I get no value out of it. Yeah, because I'm not – honestly, I'm not sure that many musicians get a whole lot out of open mics either. Yeah. Because everyone who's there is either waiting to perform or was dragged along by one person they can't wait to get out of there. Yeah, that sounds like just about every open mic. Um, I mean, there's yeah, there's a couple locally that – Again, it's the wide open mic format uh, that they try to pick up on. But, yeah, I mean, some, I know some now uh, comedians that have started here, like local open micers, um, they attend and they get something out of it, but you'd be hard-pressed to get me yeah. at one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so just, It's just not my audience. No, so yeah. really it wasn't so much a bomb as just it was impossible to succeed. Like it was just the complete wrong environment. It, for it. Totally wrong environment. Yeah, and that was good because I learned that early. What is a good and and positive? It must be good though for someone when you're up there by yourself and you don't have an instrument or loud noise or 
Yeah. Like whenever I was having a bad gig, like there's an amp behind you there, Jade. That's one of the loudest amps you can purchase basically. Is yeah. that I would always just notch that up one or two so I'd feel it more. Yeah. If I was having a bad gig and that I could kind of hide inside that volume bubble. That uh, you can't Yeah, you can't, you can't do that no, in comedy, unfortunately. No. Yeah. So at least I guess you got to pick okay, that stage is weird, the rooms of strange depth, there's way too much light in here, etc. Yeah. For your own shows or for future shows. So. Yeah. So have you taken a lot of those types of lessons into your own booking? Yeah, yeah. So I've I've played in quite a few spaces now and I know what's nice, what's not nice and basically you've got to balance that audience and artist interaction. So Yeah, because I don't think the average person that goes to a great comedy event like the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, that's one of the world's best events and all of those rooms are picked for certain people that work well in certain rooms and yeah. et cetera. The average person wouldn't realise that there's so much for a dance going on there. Yeah, well, like Comedy Festival, there are so many shows just in general. If you're looking at anything at Town Hall, obviously that is pretty pretty schmick. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've been to Comedy Festival shows that are in basements in places in the CBD down the West End, which nothing happens in the West End of the CBD. And, yeah, I think people, some people have, just going for space, others uh, use that space to enhance their their reception from the audience, you know, like it's, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But I think it's saturated. That's that's one of the things. There was so much to choose from at the yeah. Comedy Festival. Yeah, it's almost impossible mm. to choose what you're going to say. And I, that's probably why those big ticket shows do just see so much traffic continuously through the festival because it's just an easy choice of, oh, there's 30 things happening and I'll just go see that person because it's a guaranteed yeah winner. Central, it's well publicised, marketed very, very well. Um, where there's other venues that are a little bit outside of the CBD and, you know, they're still trying to grow them. So, so we'll just cover off on the early stages as well. And I wouldn't normally ask this, but you're the only comedian really that I've had on that's actually done more than a couple of events. Is there any particular vibe or joke that you were going for in those early days, say that, that Beechworth gig that's something you may have left behind now? Or are you going for the same kind of material um, now? Or like do you think now looking back, do you feel as though you could walk into that more challenging situation and have an idea of, okay, these are all people from Beechworth they're folky looking people because they all are. You know what I'd do? If I walked into that again, I'm like, right, I'm gr- going to grab a meal and grab a drink from the bar. That's it. I'm not going to. Not going to get up. No. It's 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 social space, I think. Um, and open mics are so tricky in, in general. Like there's heaps of open mics in Melbourne. I'm very particular about the ones I do down there as well because, yeah, some rooms are just shit too. <laughs> yeah. I guess you need to do some of those though, yeah? Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. So I'd. Just with the raw comedy thing, that from what I could tell was that a, is that a competition? Like I've heard, yeah, of it all. yeah, it's yeah. a national comedy competition. So right. like well yeah. over a thousand people. And if you were to win that, quote unquote, what would you yeah. get? Um, is that a spot on the festival? Is that how that works? No, they they send you over to Edinburgh. Right, is that the thing that Luke Heggie won? Is that his name, Luke Heggie, the guy from Bondi? Yeah, hang on. I'm not sure if did Luke Heggie win. I'm not sure. I'm not he, sure of previous winners, to be he, honest. Yeah, I just it just rang a bell that someone that I was listening to on a podcast had won some big comedy thing yeah. nationally. Yeah, I know. Like Hannah Gadsby had won uh, Raw 
Yeah, there's there's a handful that I can say I know have won it. Um, but yeah, right. So before we move forward, I guess was there anything looking back on that particular event that you know that you got out of it that's still with you? The Beechworth event, or no, raw? with raw itself. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that I should keep doing it. It was really just to test the water to see if I was cut for it. Was there any point where you thought maybe I can just get up and wing this again going forward, or did you know that <laughs> that was maybe a one-time thing? I wouldn't say wing it, but I think it it got me interested in improv yeah. as well. Yeah. And that was something you didn't have a history with before that? Or? No, because I have no acting background. I have no theatrical background. Okay. None of that. All science and math. Right, eh? Yeah, that's it. So would you say, not to, to make it a leading question, but would you say that this is the most creative endeavour you've been part of in your life, comedy? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like pure creative, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I um, used to paint and sketch and all that, like my, the highlight for that for me was going on tour in Canada when I lived over there. Like that, and that was pretty cool. But that takes time, takes patience. And as I've gotten older, I've got less of that. So. Well, as a massive fan of Canada as a country, I can't let you go without asking about some Canada questions. Oh, Where good. did you live over there? Uh, I lived in Manitoba for a little bit in a, a town called St. Claude. Um, so what what big cities or what name places? Oh, would, so Winnipeg, Winnipeg was my main capital. Okay. Uh, Portage La Prairie was the closest okay. regional to me. So were you north or south of Winnipeg? South. South, yeah. thankfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about 40, 40 k's from the US border. Yeah, okay, so it was so, a little bit more mild there, the weather. Yeah, the whole lot's pretty horrendous, yeah. but uh, yeah. but yeah, and then I lived over in Ontario for a bit because my mum lived in Canada for ten years. Okay, so right, yeah, well, that's cool, that's yeah. excellent. Although everyone keeps telling me I'm crazy that I want to go there, I've got plans to travel to Newfoundland. Oh, for, awesome! For probably yeah. for a couple of months, I'm saving, and I yeah. have been for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go to St John's in Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah. Check that place out because it's just got some weird appeal to me. I can't. Yeah, the, even, the I whole, can't the whole East describe. Coast is beautiful. Um, I I was jealous. My mum went and did the whole East Coast when like, she was living it's there. in New Brunswick and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay, Labrador, all that. Yeah, that's all pretty much out of a postcard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but if you are going there, just I don't know how good you are with accents, but they sound like a mix between Welsh and Scots. Like half of the stuff that I listen to now whether it's music or TV shows or whatever, it's all from your family and you. Oh, wow, okay, yeah, yeah cool. Oh, you're well prepared then. <laughs> yeah, I've just got to try really hard not to just start talking like them because I've got all these weird things that they say yeah. that have buried themselves in my brain and I don't yeah. quite let them come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to try them out over there first. 